get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome, everybody. Another episode of TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara, and you're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto and across the TSN radio network. You might also be listening on iTunes, on SoundCloud, the iHeartRadio app, the TSN 1050.ca show page. Lots of ways to get a hold of us, and we also tweet out the links to every show at TSN Analytics and at AndyMC81. Nice program for you today. Our usual leadoff man, Travis Yost from TSN.ca, will be by in just moments. Mike Kelly. TSN Hockey Analyst. So we get ready for the trade deadline. James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com for some NHL fantasy talk and advice. You can tweet in your fantasy questions. We've got a few coming in now, actually, at AndyMC81 and at Harding underscore hockey. We'll try to get to some of your NHL fantasy questions. And to polish off the program, Scott Cullen from TSN.ca with Heroes and Zeros. But as we usually do in his leadoff spot, Travis Yost from TSN.ca. Travis, how's it going, bud? I'm doing good. I got a question for you to start this. All right. What is better, the the legacy trade deadline, the one that's a week and a half away, or the new modern trade deadline right before the opening of free agency? Ooh. Oh, like as far as like more hype and interest? Yeah. yeah. You know what? I, I I think I think the one right before free agency is better. I think it's. I I, I was wondering this because I'm like I think TSN needs to do a second trade day, like a totally. second full day of trade and free agency coverage. Yeah, I, I I totally agree, and and like then you have the NHL draft too, right? Like lots going yep. on at the so maybe three, maybe you need like a try because right now like like Travis, I, I, yeah, I'm sure the panel guys would love that, right? <laughs> but, yeah, hey, we need you to work every day yeah, for the rest of your life, every day. Well, because really, it it's come down to now with the trade deadline where a lot of the deals are done either a few days before. Or there just doesn't seem to be the big splash plays because of the salary cap implications, right? Like, it's not how it used to be where you could have fun and just say, hey, money's no object, right? Yeah, that, yeah I think you're right on both. So, that one, they sit, teams sit on deals. Like, there's yeah. a couple trades out there right now that GMs know they have in their pocket. Uh, and they're just kind of waiting to see if they can get a better deal elsewhere. Um, but for the most part, yeah, the cap, the cap is not a, a hard salary cap does not lend itself well no. to this sort of stuff. One of, one of the subtle reasons why I like the uh, – the soft cap style. Let teams pay the tax if they want. If they want to blow the cap and pay the tax back to the revenue-sharing team, so be it. Yeah, that's what I like, kind of like the NBA does. Uh, yep. So, Travis, let's go to one of your tremendous articles this week on TSN.ca. And you made you proposed an interesting trade involving two struggling Canadian teams, speaking of the trade deadline, Senators and Oilers. In the piece, you suggest that swapping Mike Hoffman and Ryan Nugent Hopkins is beneficial to both teams. What makes this trade work? I love this trade, Andy. I'm I'm giving this like a Travios nine and a half stars oh, out of ten on this one. That's legit. <laughs> I don't I don't know what periphery pieces you might need to layer around the two, but I I genuinely feel bo- uh, this type of trade would improve both teams, even if even because they're sellers. So let's start with Edmonton first. We talked about a month month and a half ago. Edmonton has gotten the worst production in the entire league from their wingers. Probably shouldn't have traded Jordan Jordan Everly and Tyler Hall but neither here nor there. They are sorely in need of a winger, and more specifically, they are sorely in need of a winger that can play with Connor McDavid. Right now they have like basically two buckets. It's players who can't keep up and can't skate with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And if you move Leon Dreisaitl to Connor McDavid's wing, what tends to happen with Edmonton is they, their depth just gets smacked around right. because they just don't have a lot of weapons behind them. They really, really, really need a, a high-end elite scorer and high-end elite skater. And I don't know that anyone fits that pedigree when you look at both parameters 
uh, better than Mike Hoffman. I mean, the guy skates like the wind. He's probably one of the five or six fastest skaters in the league. A consistent 30-goal scorer, tremendous value, and most notably, he's actually on, a, I would say, a team-friendly contract. He makes about $5 million a year, and he's signed for the next two and a half years. So if Edmonton, let's just say, let's say this pick a couple picks in there, but let's say for the most part the player to, for player is Nugent Hopkins for Hoffman. Edmonton would actually end up saving a million dollars against the cap for the next couple huh. of years, and they would get out of $6 million in real cash um, because Nugent Hopkins is extended for one more year. Now, the, what you ask, what's the benefit for Ottawa? Right. Well, th- th- there's, a, there's a couple pieces here. One, I think, our, I think Nugent Hopkins is a great player. I, I think he needs to trade, uh, change the scenery more than anything, number one. Uh, but, but most notably, it, Mike Hoffman does not need to be the piece that helps you dump salary. So you, you bring in Ryan Nugent Hopkins, your options open up. Zach Smith, Derek Broussard, Matthew Shane, all of these guys, and I, I, think, I think the team's starting to fall in love with Matthew Shane, and I completely understand why. He's been great for them now down the stretch. But they, they have all of these centerpieces now where they can make these pure cap moves. Hey, we'll trade you Derek Broussard, late first-round pick. Hey, we'll trade you Zach Smith, late second-round pick. Like, that's the sort of stuff where you can shave four, five, six million dollars off in each potential trade. And at the same time, you come back next year and it's like, yeah, we're not horrible down the middle. We got Matthew Shane as our first-line center and Ryan Nugent Hopkins as our second. Like, this works. So, again, it, it makes a lot of sense to me if the team is really consigned on – uh, getting uh, moving on from Mike Hoffman and using him as leverage to kind of sh- shake some salary. My my argument would be, don't make Hoffman the player that shaved the salary. Bring in the insulation uh, in the Hoffman trade and then shave salary elsewhere. I like that deal a lot, Travis. Because yeah, you have the controllable contracts. You're not breaking, and each each team can get something out of a player that might need a change of scenery. But let's stick with the Oilers here. For a sec, so you mentioned they're going to be likely sellers. To, to what what extent do you think that they're going to be sellers? Because they're caught in that situation. If you got the best player on the planet, you're, you're in a down year. So you're obviously not blowing it up to the extent that you still have Connor McDavid. But what do they do to try to turn this around quick? Because you got to take advantage of this window, obviously. I think I heard a groan from an entire city when Nicholson <laughs> said this week that the team needed a top defenseman, and needed a scoring winger. Yeah, and so do you I. Could just hear, you could hear the palm of hands slapping faces because <laughs> so everybody. That was, I mean, they traded Taylor Hall, an elite oh. winger, to get a defenseman that really is not a great puck mover. And again, no disrespect to Adam Larson. I think he's a fine defender, but he's a second-pairing guy. Sure. So that, that trade continues to haunt them. And, okay, let's put that aside. Let's look forward. That, that was a mess. How do they improve from here? The reality is they don't have a lot of tradable pieces. Patrick Maroon, I think they have to trade because I think he has value. Um, I think I think he's a quality player, obviously a big body, um, and he could probably fit well on some, uh, some of the more competitive lines around the league. Uh, I think they have to move him. He's one of their tradable pieces. The, the, the part is, where do you go after Maroon? Because th- then you're starting to hear the discussion, like some of the names rumored, Oscar Kluffbaum. Look, I get it. He's had a down year, but he's also been banged up. And the two years prior, he was really, really good for Edmonton. Does trading Oscar Kleppbaum really help? I'm, I'm not sure. And then you, you kind of work your way down the roster and you start to realize they really don't have an awful lot. I mean, I mean, they, they could package up some draft picks and uh, they, they don't have a lot of prospects coming through the system. Uh, Yamamoto, I guess, is a, a very tradable piece, but would you really want to trade him when he's really your one main uh, prospect coming through? So, again, like they, they can play with some picks. They'll, they'll probably move Maroon. But, you know, again, it's hard to acquire a scoring winger. It's harder to acquire a top-pairing defenseman. And, and on top of that, they, now they think they need a goalie. And I, I'm not, by the way, I'm not sure 
I'm not even sure if that's true. That's a, that's going to be a tough one to swim through because Cam Talbot really has not been good this year. But the two years prior, he was great. I, that's a tricky situation too. If Talbot doesn't rebound, and uh, or if, if Talbot does rebound and they have moved on from him in the summer, man, that that would be the third. Third, it'd be like the fifth mistake in a series of mistakes for Edmonton. Man, in conversation with Travis Yost from TSN.ca on Twitter at Travis Yost. Let's go to a slightly less deplorable situation in Alberta with the Calgary Flames. All right, and hey, signing up. Michael Backlund, six years, average $5.35 million, so he avoided free agency. You tweeted that you love the deal. You also tweeted that you'd love to see the Flames and Predators in the Western Conference Finals. What's your read on the Calgary Flames? Right now they're third in the Pacific. You, you extend Backlund, so he's going to feel safe and comfortable. Where do you think the, the Flames sit right now when we project the rest of the year and into the playoffs? Uh, they, they are, like, I think we talked about this last playoff. I think they're the biggest wild card in, the, in maybe the entire playoffs, surely, yeah. in the Western Conference. I mean, you you watch them some games. They're a very frustrating team to watch because you watch them with some game in some games, and they look unbelievable. And then they'll randomly go out the next night and really have a stinker. Other than maybe Anaheim, they have the widest distribution of performance that I've seen all year from a team. So here's what I will say. First on the backland contract. People are saying, oh, you're going to have a couple bad years. He signed to, I think, 33 or 34. Yeah, that, that's kind of the opportunity cost of getting a, you know, a top six forward yeah. uh, still in his prime for, uh, for what I would argue is a pretty team-friendly contract. Yeah, you're going to bite it in the last year or two, but he's, he's exceptional right now. And more than that, you lose Michael Backlund, wh- where do you go? I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's just not a lot of players in the market available to Calgary right now, and they've got a good team. You want to make sure that you're preserving the core there. Uh, I, I, the, the big piece for me for Calgary as it pertains to your question about playoff projections, what does the goaltending situation look like, especially as we head into the playoffs? Uh, you know, uh, Mike Smith banged up, I think, last week. Uh, he has been great for them for the majority of the year, much better than I thought he'd be. I missed the mark on that one. Um, the, Calgary seems to have won big on that. But, you know, when Calgary gets, like, and this is true for most teams, when Calgary gets goaltending, they are very, very tough to beat. And I think part of that is because generally they are outskating teams. So, so long as they can break even in the goaltending department, they're generally going to win more games than not. And I think we've seen that materialize or manifest for the majority of this year. Um, but, again, it's going to come back to, will you have goal, healthy goaltending going into the playoffs? And then, look, we, we talked about the playoff format. <laughs> I don't think I hate anything more than that. I've met you. I've beat that into the <laughs> ground have, at this yes. point. Calgary could really stand to benefit from the playoff format because of the divisional situation. If they're the third team or the second team, in their division, it's likely they're going to play a San Jose or an Anaheim and completely avoid the, the superior central teams, at least for the first round. Hmm. Yeah, they would, play, they would probably play a Vegas team in the second round, but you know, th- there, there is an opportunity. The first matchup for Calgary might be a lot easier than some of the other teams are going to get in the central division. Interesting. And last one for you here. You brought the Vegas Golden Knights. And, man, Travis, they're the second-best team in the NHL. As of Saturday afternoon right now, they're one point behind Tampa Bay for the most points in the league. So everyone talks about what a great story the regular season is, expansion club. They have 420 goal scorers on their team. But we don't hear a lot of respect in the postseason because, I guess, it's it's the expansion club. So how do you think they project come playoff time? Again, it, it come, I, I, I buy the superstar theory in the playoffs. Like, if you have the best player on the ice, and even if you're at a slightly team, uh, a slight team disadvantage... That, that superstar might be able to pull you over the top. We've seen it time and time again with Pittsburgh, Chicago, Boston, L.A. down and so forth. 
Here's what I will say. We have talked about the Marshall Smith-Carlson line. No team this year has had an answer for them. And quite frankly, I don't think there's an answer for them in the entire league outside of maybe the Bergeron line in Boston, and they're not going to see them until a potential cup final. I, I, I think one of the we, – we need to create like a top ten most interesting storylines about Ooh. the Vegas Golden Knights this year. You start with William Carlson's easily on pace for a 40-plus goal season. That would probably be at the top. But I think, I think maybe the most interesting thing to me, Jonathan Marcheseau is really – bordering or tiptoeing around superstar status. Like I, I think we are dangerously close to calling him a superstar. He has been, for the majority of Vegas's games, in a season where people cannot really reconcile how good they have been, he has been consistently their best player. And if you look at, they're the second best team in the league, and he's indisputably their best skater on most nights, and probably the biggest reason why William Carlson is going to get paid a fortune I, I think you have to start throwing the S-word around Jonathan Martin. Though. Is, that, is that crazy? No. No. How can – listen, everything involving the Vegas Golden Knights this year is crazy. So why not? Why not? <laughs> Let's keep it going. You want to get nuts? Mark-Andre Fleury, Mark Fleury's <laughs> playing like he's 24. You got, you got guys, you know, a bunch of journeyman, second-pairing guys moving the puck like Eric Carlson. I, I don't get it either. It's crazy. Well, Travis, you know what? Let's do it again next week, man. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, man. All right. Travis Yost, TSN.ca. Check out his work. Must follow on Twitter at Travis Yost. We'll step aside and come back with TSN hockey analyst Mike Kelly. NHL fantasy talk still to come with James Harding and Scott Cullen with Heroes and Zeros. A lot more coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics. On the near side, Wiltshire got into the corner. Taylor Hall uh, scooped it on in front. Heatshear with a shot. Hall scores! Taylor Hall got the rebound after Heatshear's shot was blocked. And Hall's got his second of the game with a minute 21 left. That ties it at four. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara, and you can get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. If you missed any of the Travis Yost portion of the show to kick it off. Don't worry. You can find the whole episode on iTunes, SoundCloud, the TSN1050.ca show page, and we tweet out all the links on Twitter again at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. On the line now, TSN hockey analyst Mike Kelly. Mike, how's it going, man? Going really well, Andy. How are you? I'm doing well, brother. Doing well. Listen, let's, let's start in the Atlantic. Boston Bruins, Toronto Maple Leafs, two of the hottest teams in the NHL this month. Focusing on the Leafs, though, what do you think has allowed them to have so much success as of late? Do you see this recent stretch of play as just a hot streak in the middle of the year, or has something changed? Yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, any time a team has you know, nine wins in ten games and 900 win percentage, it's, <laughs> it's a hot streak. Nobody's going to maintain right. that over the course of a season. That'd be incredible. That would be record-setting. <laughs> um, so, yeah, by definition, I think it is a hot streak. Now, you know, what interests me about this is it reminds me a lot of the way that they played in October. And, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's, a, it's what I call high-event hockey. They're kind of run and gun, lots off the rush. Um, I look back at October, the first month of the season, and they generated a ton off the rush, uh, top five in scoring chances off the rush. They were first in, in shots from the middle of the ice from the slot um, area that I call the inner slot, which is where uh, about half the goals in the league are scored, just uh, right in front of the crease up to the hash marks. And lo and behold, they were second in goals. Now, at the same time, they were also bottom five in allowing shots from these areas. And they basically, you know, for as much as they created, which was almost more than anybody, they gave up a ton. And the goaltending wasn't very good. And the end result is they had a seven and five record. So, 
that's what that's the type of hockey that they're playing right now. The goaltending's been much better, obviously. If you look at November, you know, Mike Babcock really switched to a more dump-and-chase kind of game for a couple of weeks, less rush-oriented attack, uh, man in the middle of the pack in these quality shots. But they were also top 10 in limiting those high-quality shots against. And they had a much better record, 9-4-1. and one. Uh, And the goal differential was better. The goaltending was better. So I, I think if you want to play this run-and-gun, high-event hockey, you have to have really good goaltending. And... The, the Maple Leafs have had that lately with Freddie Anderson, which, which is great. Now, what I find most interesting, and you look at this, this stretch of 10 games, they're, again, top five in these high-quality shots and, and creating off the rush, um, but they're bottom three and allowing them as well. The, Freddie Anderson has been the difference. Um, what I find interesting is, is I wonder, I, I, you know, I think Mike Babcock, obviously a, a brilliant head coach, understands that it's going to be difficult to win in the playoffs against a lot of teams playing this high-event style. And I think he tried for portions of this season in the middle to teach the Leafs how to play a different way. And, you know, they weren't that successful overall playing that way. And, and now we're starting to see more of this high event game. But I think they're at an interesting crossroads here where I think Mike Babcock understands there's going to be teams we could go up against in the playoffs and play this high event hockey. And we might not have a lot of success. So I think he tried to coach it a different way. Um, they've gone back to, to what's worked for them in the past now and, uh, it'll be interesting to see come the playoffs which way they decide to go. Well, that's a nice segue there, Mike, because uh, my next question involves the top three teams in the Atlantic, and we know the year the Lightning have had, Bruins are hot, Leafs, but Toronto looks like they're going to be staying in that, that number three spot in the division. So we chatted about it last week, but I wanted to get your take. Who do you think the Leafs match up better against in the, a first-round series? Is it the Lightning or is it the Bruins? It's a really good question. Um, and, you know, it probably depends, I guess, on how you want to play. I, I think, number one, you know, there's, there's a lot of people in Toronto right now talking about, you know, the Leafs, you know, look at the run they're on. This could be a Stanley Cup contender, and, and you know, I don't know that they're getting out of the first round. Hmm. Just because of the quality yeah. of, of opponents they're going up against. You look at the Boston Bruins, you want to try to play this run-and-gun style against the Boston Bruins, they'll eat you alive. You know, Boston, as good as the goaltending's been for, for Toronto in the stretch, the grass, has just as good a safe percentage as Freddie Anderson in the last 10 games. And, you know, you want to try to play a, a, a run-and-gun game against them. Well, they allow the fewest quality shots of any team in the league. So they're going to jam you up a little bit, not to mention the fact they score more than Toronto this season, and they've allowed less. So I don't see how Toronto can play a high-event game against a team like Boston and be successful. If they do try to play that game, I guess you're better off against Tampa Bay, I would think. But at the same time, Tampa Bay can play that style as well, and they've got a ton of firepower also, and a world-class goalie in Andre Vasilevsky. So um, that, that's where I think, again, that Mike Babcock, I think he probably understands that they may not be able to play this way and, and have success in the playoffs, which is why I tried to coach it a little bit differently at different parts of the season. And I, I know it drove some fans nuts saying, you know, man, this team can't score and it's boring, but I don't think they can play the way they're playing now and be successful in the first round against Boston or Tampa. In conversation with Mike Kelly, TSN Hockey Analyst, on Twitter, at Mike Kelly NHL. All right, Mike, uh, Nathan McKinnon is a name that has been coming up in regards to the MVP race lately. But earlier in the week, you made the case for Taylor Hall's MVP candidacy. Why? Well, if you look at the trophy in, in the literal definition for the Hart Trophy, which is the player deemed most valuable to his team, 
that's where I think Taylor Hall absolutely has a case. Right. And people tend to vote on it a little, a little bit differently. Some people, you know, vote for the best player in the league. That's the way they see it. Um, I think it'd be harder for Taylor Hall to be in that conversation. If you want to talk about the player most valuable to his team, the, the Devils are in a playoff spot. They were a lottery team last year. Taylor Hall, when I did this story for TSN um, on that hockey on, on Wednesday at the time, he had 25 more points than anyone else on his team which was the biggest gap of, of any top scorer to second place on any team in the league. And, you know, you look at it, the way that he impacts the game offensively, especially for the Devils, his transition game is elite. You know, he's, he's a top guy in terms of, of controlled exits and, and controlled entries, skating the puck through the neutral zone. Everybody knows that he can fly. Um, during this point streak that he's on, he's got points in 16 straight games, I believe. He's scored in every game since the start of 2018. Um, you know, he's been, he's been making a lot of defensive plays in the offensive zone to create opportunities for himself and his teammates as well. He's put, a, he's put the, New Jersey, the New Jersey Devils on his back, really. And if you want to talk about the player that's been most valuable to his team, you know, Taylor Hall is, is carrying this New Jersey Devils team. If they make the playoffs, that's where I'd make the case that if you're voting on this award based on the, the literal definition of it, he has to be in the conversation, in my opinion. It's a great take, Mike. Thank you so much for taking the time. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Enjoy the rest of the show. All right. You too, man. Mike Kelly, TSN hockey analyst on Twitter, at Mike Kelly NHL. An excellent follow there. We're going to take the break. If you have NHL fantasy hockey questions for your league, for daily play, James Harding is your guy, and he's coming up next from DraftKings and NHL.com for some fantasy hockey talk right here on TSN Hockey Analytics. Here's a chance for Cadre in front of the Back we are to TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. Get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics, myself at AndyMC81, and I am Andy McNamara. Missed any of the show so far? No problem. We're going to podcast it all up for you on iTunes, on SoundCloud, TSN1050.ca show page, and we'll also put the link out on Twitter at TSN Analytics. Okay, folks, it's time for some NHL Fantasy Talk with our guy, our resident expert from DraftKings and NHL.com, James Harding. James, how's it going, brother? I'm doing a little bit better than the U.S. Olympic men's hockey team is oh. today, Andy. Oh, boy. That, that was rough. Yeah. That was rough. That was a rough one. It's okay. Don't worry. You know what? It's not NHL, so does it really count? Come on. No, no, it, it, it doesn't. It's, it, it's fake hockey right now. <laughs> Hashtag fake hockey. We can get that trending. I like that. Uh, James, let's uh, start off with what we usually do with... Stock up. Stock down. For some hashtag fake hockey, some fantasy hockey, James, give me a, a couple stock up fantasy players for this weekend. Yeah, stock up fantasy guys uh, for this weekend going out to Chicago to start. Alex DeBrincat, uh three-game point streak right now out there for uh, the, the Blackhawks skating on uh, their third line with Ryan Hartman and Patrick Sharp right now. Uh, Ten points, uh, seven goals, and and three assists in his past uh, ten games. Four power play points, 38 shots on goal. He's uh, third right now among rookies with in goals. Excuse me, with 21, and he has uh, 38 points on the season, which is tying him for fifth among rookies 
in scoring right now with Dan Heinen from the Boston Bruins. Uh, I really like what DeBrincat is bringing to the table right now, despite the struggles that the Blackhawks have had with consistency. But when you see 10 points in 10 games, it's kind of hard to overlook that kind of production, despite what you're seeing from the team uh, as a whole right now. And then for my second stock up option, uh, heading out to the desert to Arizona, Clayton Keller, uh, 43% owned, so uh, owned in less than half of Yahoo Fantasy Leagues right now. Try eligible out there, uh, center, left wing, right wing, four-point uh, four game on Thursday against the Canadians. Uh, he has points in four of his past five games, uh, three goals and five assists in that span. Um, 11 shots on goal, skating on the first line out there with Derek Stepan and Brendan Perlini. Uh, he's uh, just started, and, and we're getting back to that strength of schedule discussion right. that we had last time. Um, Arizona just starting an 11-game stretch right now over the next month with seven games against non-playoff contending teams. So a very, very favorable schedule going forward for guys like Clayton Keller, Perlini, Stepan, Alex Goligoski has been playing very well. Antti Ranta in net has been playing very well. So uh, a lot of good out there in the desert right now. Yeah, and that strength of schedule conversation is something we can keep coming back to as the season goes on. So those are stock up. Uh, Give me two stock down for fantasy players to avoid, whether it's in DraftKings contests or in the league play. Yeah, so first uh, stock down, uh, Alex Peter Angelo from the St. Louis Blues. Uh, he's been solid this season um, on defense for them. He has 37 points, 9 goals, uh, 28 assists, but uh, pointless in each of his uh, last three games. Hasn't really been getting fantastic category coverage. Only seven shots on goal and, and two blocked shots. Um, they, you know, they have been uh, up and down as of late, so I, I'm not really uh, high on, on him right now out there despite what their offense can do. And then my second guy might come um, a, a little surprising uh, to some people, and that's Phil Kessel. Oh. Uh, he has uh, only one point in his last four games. Uh, pretty stout opponent tonight against Toronto. Um, he is still one of the top scorers in the league, 24 goals, 42 assists on the season, but he's in a little bit of a, of a cold streak right now. I would assume he was going to, he's going to snap out of it soon. He has Columbus, Carolina, Florida, and New Jersey coming up in, uh, in his next four games after Toronto, but definitely a, a difficult matchup tonight against the Maple Leafs. Yeah, we know in this market how streaky Phil Kessel can be. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That is something. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure not a lot of people up there are disappointed to hear me name Phil Kessel as a stock down oh, player this cer- week. Certainly not me. Not a fan. Not a fan, James. Anyway, uh, okay. So that was stock up, stock down in conversation with James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey. So James, we put out on Twitter any NHL fantasy hockey questions you got. You can tweet at AndyMCD1 and at J 
Harding underscore hockey. We've got time for one, and you'll answer the uh, the rest on Twitter when you get a chance. This one coming from at Daryl underscore Samuels. He says, uh, tweets in, well, for this weekend and into the final stretch of games, what is the market like in St. Louis or elsewhere to get my buddy goalie Jake Allen some starts? Need help. There are, uh, as my goalies are him, Cam Ward, and Ranta in second place somehow in my pool with that trio. LOL. You got any goalie advice yeah, for this guy? That's that's got to he's got to have an impressively stacked team offensively yeah. if if those are his goaltenders right now and he's still in second place. Yeah, I mean, he's splitting time right now with with Carter Hutton, but both have struggled as of late. Allen has seen time in five of the Blues' last eight games, whether starting or whether coming in uh, in relief. Um, he's still outplaying Hutton this season, 41 to 26, as far as games played. Uh, they do have a very tough stretch going forward, though. Back to that strength of schedule conversation, 26 of their final 31 games this season are against playoff contending teams. The one saving grace, I think, for Allen, which I think they're going to probably split time down the stretch, but Allen has posted his best numbers against division opponents this season. He's 5-4-1 and one with a 2.40 goals against and a .915 save percentage uh, against Central Division opponents this season, and they have nine games remaining against Division opponents uh, from here to the end of the year. So I think Allen is going to be fine, but I think it's going to be a split the rest of the way between him and Hutton as far as who starts what. Hmm. All right. And James, uh, we'll go through a couple Canadian teams and kind of dip into the rest next week. But I wanted to get a fantasy player. Maybe let's start out west in Vancouver for the weekend. If you're playing DraftKings or you're looking to pick somebody off uh, up in your waiver wire for your league play, from each Canadian team, give me a fantasy guy to keep an eye on and start, whether it's, again, in DraftKings or league. So let's start in Vancouver and go through a couple. Yeah, Vancouver, I really like Bo Horvat right now. Um, $5,300 tonight in a uh, tough matchup against the Bruins out in Vancouver, but he has seven points in his past ten games. He has been skating very well since he returned from that injury a couple of weeks ago. He's back skating on the Canucks' first line with Brock Besser, who is one of the top rookies, second in rookie scoring this season in the NHL. Um, Sven Barchi has been dropped from that line for the time being is now uh, Nikolay Goldobin out there, but uh, Bart, uh, excuse me, Besser and Horvat have been uh, in a dynamic duo this season when they've been on the ice together, so I, I really like Horvat this weekend despite a tough matchup against the Bruins. Alright, and, and let's go Edmonton next, and you mentioned with the Coyotes the strength of schedule facing numerous non-playoff teams. Oilers are one of those teams, but for Edmonton, not like the Coyotes are killing it themselves, uh, who do you like to maybe take advantage tonight uh, in the desert. Yeah, uh, looking at second-line center there, Leon Dreisaitl, uh $6,400 in DraftKings, a three-game point streak right now, three goals and one assist, uh, but has absolutely been a fantasy beast as of late. 14 points, uh, six goals and eight assists in his past 10 games, and he has one point in two games against the Coyotes this season, so I really like the kind of production that I'm seeing out of him. He's really turned it on so far the second half of the year from that slow start that we saw from him in the first month, month and a half of the season. All right, James, and we'll kick it off from Calgary next week and try to get through the rest of the uh, Canadian teams. Thank you so much, buddy. And, hey, DraftKings.com, people can get your tips on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey, and you can play the salary cap game, the pick'em style, and all that. So it should be a fun weekend for DraftKings. 
It will be a very fun weekend. Got a lot of games going on, and uh, let's let's work on getting that hashtag fake hockey trending, okay, buddy? <laughs> I like it. We'll put it out with the tweet. <laughs> All, All right, right, James. Talk to you soon. That is James Hardig, DraftKings and NHL.com, fantasy hockey analyst, hashtag fake hockey, at jharding underscore hockey on Twitter. We'll take the break, wrap up the program with heroes and zeros and top storylines of the week with Scott Cullen from tsn.ca. A lot more coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics. Oh my. Welcome back to wrap up TSN Hockey Analytics. Another episode almost in the books. I'm Andy McNamara. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. You missed any of the show or want to go back to listen to part of it or or past episodes and interviews, you can subscribe and rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, TSN 1050.ca show page. And of course, we tweet it all out at TSN Analytics, at AndyMC81. Let's welcome in our good buddy from TSN.ca, Scott Cullen. Scotty, how's it going? Awesome. How are you doing, Andy? I am well, sir. You know what? Let's get right to it. It's time for the best and worst of the NHL this week. Hockey Analytics, Heroes and Zeros, with Scott Cullen and Andy McNamara. And Scotty, Taylor Hall kicks off your list. We've talked about him a little bit uh, during the show already. He's on quite a tear. Yeah, you know, and, and it doesn't count as a point streak because he missed a game. Um, but in his past 16 games that he has played, uh, Taylor Hall has a point in each of them, uh, 24 points in total in that time. Um, almost 56% Corsi, 56% of the scoring chances. And the Devils have outscored the opposition at 5-on-5, five 18-7 five, to seven, uh, during those 16 games. And, look, Taylor Hall has been a star for a long time. And I, I understand there's, you know, some move to, to put him in the Hart Trophy conversation. I'm not, I'm not quite there yet with him. Um, but if you consider that uh, he's having this monster season, um, mostly playing with rookies, you know, Nico Heischer and Jesper Brad have been uh, the two guys who he's uh, played with the most. And um, one of the things that Hall has done uh, this year is he's shooting more. Uh, he's generating about 3.7 shots per game, which is a career high. And your second hero comes from the Anaheim Ducks, a 22 year old right winger. That's right. Andre Kasha. Um, you know, he, he kind of impressed in, in a little stint last year. And, uh, you know, you had this guy was a seventh-round pick in 2014. Uh, and it kind of looked like, hey, the Ducks might be on to something. Well, it, it really looks like that now. Uh, his past six games, he's got eight points, four goals, four assists, uh, 57% Corsi and 57% of the scoring chances. Uh, and, you know, he's given the Ducks uh, impressive depth. And at times, it's allowed them to kind of move Corey Perry down the lineup. You know, when Corey Perry uh, isn't producing alongside Ryan Getzlaff, Kasha slides in there and and they don't miss a beat. And and I think, you know, the fact that they got him with a seventh-round pick is uh, a huge bargain. Yeah, no doubt. Now, let's go to the zeros and Milan Lucic. Uh, not, Not quite the same impact so far as he did in year one in Edmonton. No, and, <laughs> and 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 this ties to our first hero in some ways because the Oilers made a choice there. Yeah, um, on which forward that they wanted. And okay, Milan Lucic in his past nine games uh, has no points and Oof. a total of tw- twelve shots on goal. Like it's one thing if, if you go into a scoring slump and maybe um, you know you're just not getting the bounces, but goodness, twelve shots on goal—you're not really giving yourself a chance. 
Um, and in that time now, he has decent possession numbers in that time. I mean, in some ways, this is, this is probably uh, related to score effects because the Oilers are losing. And so the Oilers get 53% of the shots with Lucic on the ice. They also have three goals for and 10 goals against in, the, in those nine games. And so, um, look, it, to me, the, the Lucic slump isn't the end of the world because this season really seems to be, you know, off the rails already for the Oilers. So um, the bigger concern is that this is year two of, uh, of a seven-year contract. And if... If this is, you know, your future uh, with Milan Lucic, then uh, that's going to be big trouble. Scott, are you saying the Edmonton Oilers have made an error in personnel decisions? <laughs> it's, oh. it's possible. Oh, I, I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, state it definitively yet, but it's possible. <laughs> and the final zero for the week, Richard Ponick. Yeah, you know, Richard Ponick, it, life comes at you fast. One day you're skating on the Blackhawks <laughs> top line with Brandon Sod and Jonathan Taves. Uh, then you wake up and you're getting healthy scratched by the Coyotes, and that's Ew. what's happened with with Ponick. Uh, his past eight games, he has no points. Again, has, has decent possession numbers that time, almost 55%. But, um, you know, he, he had a really good opportunity. Uh, I mean, the Blackhawks committed to him, gave him a multi-year deal, uh, and had him start the season alongside Brandon Saad and Jonathan Taves. Uh, and then at some point during the year, the Blackhawks decided best to get away from that uh, future commitment. Uh, and, and so the Coyotes, to you know, to their credit, they kind of took a shot at, at Ponick and hoped that he would... Uh, be rejuvenated, uh, and and although he had a few points early on uh, in his stint in the desert, uh, it's gone awfully dry for him lately. Yeah, not not looking good. Not looking good. That was Heroes and Zeros with Scott Cullen on Twitter at TSN Scott Cullen. All right, Scotty, let's go to your snapshot article, I, and you can read statistically speaking as well Monday to Friday on TSN.ca. But I really like this. I highly recommended, Andy. Oh, highly absolutely, and you're not biased at all. <laughs> hey now. Yeah. All right. We got a, our live studio audience is also in agreement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really love this rankings piece that you do on Snapshot. So we got uh, the Bruins still at one. Uh, Predators move up from four all the way up to number two. And you had that, you said uh, before the loss to Calgary, Predators were seven games without a regulation loss. Yeah. And the thing is that. Uh, even when Nashville's losing, they tend to be like one goal losses. So it's, they're, they're in every game. Um, you know, and, and to me, um, that that's sort of, I guess, the identity of this team is that you're never going to to you know blow them out of the building. Is that they're always there? Um, I mean, they're just too deep, really. And and yes, I think there are still moves to be made. Uh, they they could add a, a scoring winger um, before the deadline, but I think if uh, when they're healthy and you know maybe once they get Mike Fisher back and. Um, you know, they had Ryan Ellis back since this, uh, the new year uh, on the blue line. And, you know, you just look at that lineup and it looks every bit as good as the team that went to the finals last year. And look, going into last year's playoffs, the big question was whether Pekka Rene would be up to the job. And he played really well and, and got them to the final. But he played really well this season. And, and I, I think that can't go can't go unnoticed because we've kind of, you know, Pekka Rene was really good early in his career and, and kind of had established a reputation. Uh, but then... You know, had some rough years, yeah. and then you know the reputation started to swing the other way, and and I think we have to sort of give credit that he's he's kind of back on track. He's this year his save percentage is nine twenty five, which would be his highest since uh, two thousand ten two thousand eleven. Like that's a um, a pretty big shift uh, to go from you know some of those years he had um, a couple years ago where you know he was clearly a below average goaltender, and now he's you know much closer to the high end, and, and I think that's that's part of the reason that I'm. You know, pretty high on on Nashville these days. 
I want to drop down a little bit in the top 10 for your rankings here, Scotty, oh, yeah. because you got Penguins at 7, up from 8. Maple Leafs right behind them from 9. They move up to 8. They're going toe-to-toe tonight, and you can't get two teams hotter. you got the Leafs 9-1-0 in their last 10. The Penguins 8-1-1. If the Maple Leafs pull this out, does that leapfrog them? <laughs> they could. And, and tr- truthfully, you know what? Uh, this calculation was kind of under the impression that Jake Gardner wouldn't play. Oh. Uh, but now I, I, we've heard from uh, from hockey insider Phil Kessel that, that apparently Gardner <laughs> is going to play tonight. He's got a future and, in the media. And, and so, um, you know, I I kind of say that the Leafs are probably every bit as good as the, the Penguins at the moment. And look, the Penguins um, coming into the season, they were my number one team, and I still think they have you know they have the horses to be a Stanley Cup uh, team, but. For a long part of the season, Matt Murray has, has not been great uh, in goal for them. Uh, and I think the whole key for them is, is whether or not he gets back to being what he was the past couple of years. You know, that um, the, the Penguins have had the luxury in the past years where if Matt Murray, you know, went into a slump or got tired or wasn't playing well, they could go to Marc-Andre Fleury, and Marc-Andre Fleury was a pretty good option. Right. Um, this year, they're kind of left with some unproven guys, Tristan Jerry and uh, DeAndre uh, Smith, I want to say, um, or DeCasey Smith, and... Um, you know, those guys just kind of get spotted in. But, you know, the, the real future here for the Penguins is whether or not um, is whether or not um, Murray can handle the job. And, you know, to me, that's that's kind of their whole issue. In the, in the case of the Maple Leafs, Maple Leafs know they've got a goaltender who's uh, kind of at the top of his game. You know, Freddie Anderson has been playing really well for you know, basically since early November. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that gives... Um, you know the Maple Leafs. That if we're if we're you know matching them up tonight, um, and the Leafs have Gardner in the lineup, I mean I think the Leafs have you know every opportunity to win that game. But but I you know if you look at kind of both rosters, I think the Penguins might have a a higher ceiling because basically since January first, uh, they have the three top scorers in the league: uh, Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel. And um, you know that that's a luxury that they've kind of had in their hip pocket for a few years now. Sure, and and Scotty, that's really I think the X factor tonight. For the Maple Leafs is Freddie Anderson because you got Phil Kessel who's slumping, and if he can keep uh, the likes of Malkin and Crosby in check, then the Maple Leafs have as good a chance as anybody to beat this team. Yeah, and, and look, the the Leafs. The, it, it's one of the things is yes, you can look at the Penguins high end high end talent, but the, the Leafs. One of their strengths has always been, or at least always, the last couple of years has been their depth of scoring. You know that um, that yes, you have Matthews and Nylander, but you also have Marner and Kadri and uh, and Van Riemsdyk, and you know there there aren't a lot of teams that have um, the kind of options that the Maple Leafs have. So I, I think this this is a great matchup to have tonight, and, and quite frankly, I think where these teams are ranked uh, this week at, at seven and eight. Um, that's not that's not the ceiling for either one. I could see them both moving up. And we have that game for you, of course, right here on TSN 1050. All right, Scotty, thank you so much. We'll do it again next week. Super. Thanks, Andy. All right, thank you. That was Scott Cullen from TSN.ca. As he said, must read, statistically speaking, his article Monday to Friday on TSN.ca. And check out that snapshot bit, too, at the rankings. Very interesting. Really breaks it down. Uh, lots of uh, advanced stats there to back up his points. It's a, a great read there by Scott Cullen. And, of course, you can get him on Twitter at TSN Scott Cullen. So if you miss any of the show, iTunes, SoundCloud, TSN1050.ca show page, on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. We'll tweet that out for you. you got fantasy hockey questions. You can tweet James Harding at JHarding underscore hockey. And that'll do it for another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics. So for producer Sean Lavery, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 and across the TSN radio network.